Hello, you're listening to Heroes and Headwinds. It's a podcast brought to you by The Culinary Edge. I'm Graham Humphreys, CEO at The Culinary Edge, and I lead a team of food and beverage innovators who, maybe like you, solve today's problems and create tomorrow's opportunities for food and beverage. This podcast brings you into the conversations that we have with our heroes in the industry, discussing how to brave the headwinds of an ever-changing and challenging F&B landscape. Along the way, we hope you'll get to know our guests as we have as friends, collaborators, and inspirations for a brighter future. Today's episode, we're sharing a recent interview we did with Jennifer Schuler, CEO of Wetzel's Pretzels, a well-beloved snack chain born here on the West Coast. What comes out in this interview is how Jen matches precise critical thinking with an irrepressible sense of fun and joy. And you can see that sense of fun reflected at every Wetzel's, but it's a value that's lived inside the organization too. So here's the interview led by TCE's Nikki Freihofer. We're recording? Okay. So hello, Jennifer. Hello. I have some exciting questions for you. Nothing too (laughs) difficult. I think I'll start with some easy, more difficult, and then easy again. (laughs) My first question that I'm curious about is just how you came to be where you are. What drew you to a career in food and beverage? I know you went to business school. You've worked in several different segments of the F&B space, but why food and beverage? Sure. So what first drew me when I really, truly think back on that question, it goes back to a little restaurant called CC and J Cafe. CC and J Cafe stands for Corinne, Catherine, and Jennifer, which is the name of me and my two sisters. And around when I was like 12, we would do a pop-up restaurant in our house, mainly for my parents' anniversaries. But we would, it was always called CCAJ Cafe. We would design the menu. We would put the signage up. We would create the table setting, the ambiance, light the candles. The food was awful. I was so bossy and horrible to my sisters as like the, the head of this restaurant. Hopefully I've gotten better since then, but we, we love doing it. We have like such fond memories of that. And, um, people talk about like, find the things that brought you joy when you were a kid and circle back to those things. And I think for me, quite literally that brings, brought me a lot of joy. We loved doing it. My sisters and I still reflect on it today. My parents laugh about all the anniversary dinners they had at CC and J cafe. So that's honestly probably the start for me. Beyond that, I went and worked after business school at General Mills for five years in brand management and food and just loved that experience. But in in particular, loved the experience within the food service division within General Mills. So General Mills has a lot of consu- big, huge consumer brands. We would do like TV budgets. It was really fun being on those shoots, you know, million plus dollar budgets big ad budgets. And then I did a rotation in the restaurant division and we were selling Yoplait yogurt into McDonald's to make parfaits. And it was the division that most people did not like going to. And it was my absolute favorite experience. I loved the speed. I loved how dynamic it was. I loved being more direct with my guest, not my consumer. And interacting them with a daily basis versus just being at a distance from them in a focus group. So probably the, those two things bring it together for me. I'm really curious. What was your, what was your favorite job at CC&J Cafe? Oh, 
Was it making the menus or just busting your sisters around? No, I liked I liked orchestrating the whole thing. You know, like no, it's not I, honestly not unlike what I'm doing today, Graham. Like I liked being like, let's think about the menu and the signage and you know, like all the elements of the experience. I really vividly remember one item on the menu though, which was the frozen baked potato that would we just microwave off. I don't know, like <laughs> I've had that like a paprika. It was like a twice baked potato with a paprika yeah. seasoning on top. That was very consistently on the menu. Low, low food costs, easy prep. Love that. Yes, loved it. <laughs> 10 out of 10. <laughs> it feels franchisable. I mean, it could work. It's very 2022. Definitely streamlined operational platform. Um, yeah, it's very, very tight from a staffing perspective. <laughs> this is CC and J Cafe. This is a concept that we should uh, bring to life. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, I feel like so many folks that I've run into in the food and beverage industry have somewhat similar stories themselves. Like I had some crazy lemonade stand and I was baking cookies. My personal one was that apparently I wasn't allowed to use the stove when I was like four, of course, and I would soak noodles in like tap water and then like give that to my parents <laughs> to eat. Awesome. So I think that it's a common origin story, right? Of like, yeah. I always knew that food is compelling and there's a dynamism to the industry. So I, I think I've heard that a lot. That's great. Yeah. As a parent, I've also thought I haven't done it yet, but I, I really want to, my boys are 14 and 10, sit back right now and write them a letter of what I see that they spark to. Mm -hmm. Like, when have I seen you the most engaged and excited and at ease and you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, in your 20s, when you're trying to figure out what to do and what do I love and what's right for me and where's my purpose, what a gift it would be to look back at that letter and, and go back to things like, oh, this was the stuff I love. Use that as that spark. Yes. Because sometimes it's hard in the mix of trying to build a successful career, ground back into those things that you loved as a child. And maybe that's a gift I can share with my boys. Absolutely. It's tough when you you have the cultural pressures of like, what is a good job, a good career, you know, what are the three boxes, doctor, lawyer, businessman, whatever that you have to squeeze into. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be like, open, open when you're 22 and confused. Like, <laughs> open when you're graduating from college, this letter. And this is how your mom saw you and like where I saw you lighting up. And maybe that'll help you find your way back. That's incredible. I think I need one of those for myself every decade. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> it actually brings me to related question, which was that you have built a career from your business roots in the F&B space, whether that's retail or food service. What advice do you have for people who are specifically interested in navigating a career in food and beverage? Yeah, you know, what I have observed in the food and beverage space is it's, you know, you can look at restaurant statistics, especially restaurant startups, just riddled with failures, right? Really, really, really hard to be successful in this space. Very influenced by macroeconomic factors. You know, when consumers get nervous about the economy, the first thing they cut is eating out. And then beyond being challenged by those longer macroeconomic sort of out of our control factors, it's also a space that has like daily fires, right? Like all the time, like sometimes literally fires, sometimes rats, sometimes people not sure. I mean, just very dramatic industry. And so I have found that navigating this career has a lot to do with mindset around taking the long view, but then finding the wins on a daily basis, like always finding the win, always finding the win, always coming back to that. 
for me, it's always finding the win and look at this win and here's that win and kind of always getting the team in a resourceful mindset, particularly because in this industry, that combination of macroeconomic pressures that you can't control and the constant fires mean that to maintain longevity in your career is about building resilience. And I find the way that I build a resilience and a resourceful mindset is just keep looking for those, keep looking for those wins. Our leadership team meetings, weekly meetings, we start with wins of the week. What is the win that you had last week? And I find that more valuable than almost anything else we do. Because anytime someone's talking about that win, it gets you, first, it gets us all in a resourceful mindset when we're like going through any set of problems that come after that. It just like resets the way you frame it. But the other thing it does is I find that when you spark off that win, when you're like, oh, yes, and, or, huh, we did that there. Could we do it here? It seems to open up potential and opportunity when you work from the wins, as opposed to working from a place like, all right, uh, what are the issues? What are the hot issues we need to solve? (laughs) They're always there. (laughs) They will be nonstop. Totally. Yeah. Like setting that tone to be not always, you know, blanketly positive, that spirit of resourcefulness and agility, I think, is very core to the industry is like you have to be someone who's nimble and also yeah. someone who doesn't um, d- doesn't back down at the first sight of, you know, trouble. Yeah. Like it's quite a it's, a it's a big industry of like badass, stubborn people, yeah. <laughs> um, which I think is is good and bad in some ways. Yeah. You said something that made me interested, which was Jennifer, which is, yeah, I've always seen you turn up to meetings unfailingly positive and bringing the joy and bringing the energy. And yet, you know, there are some real challenges that we have to have. And, you know, we have to be transparent with each other when things aren't going so great. Um, how do you balance the two? Yeah. Um, you know, I think for me, the the positivity part, I think even in the darkest of times, the darkest challenge times, the only way to get through them is when you're coming at it from a resourceful place, right? And you're coming at it from like, not a fear-based place, but a learning place and ideally a, a growth type of mindset. It's frankly more enjoyable that way, but it's also more fruitful. And so I think regardless of the way you see me show up in a meeting grab, sort of like regardless of where, what I know we're going to tackle, I want everyone to start first from a trusting place, right? So that's part, first of it's probably about connecting with each other. And second, it's about setting ourselves in a resourceful mindset so that then we can be honest and direct about what's in front of us. Cause there's a trusting place. Like I'm not scared to tell Jen that there was a fire in the store. Like, or that we are missing sales, right? Because that's, I think to get transparent, you have to trust. And then, then after that, you have to get resourceful to be able to, to solve, to collaborate, to solve. Jen, I'm curious, you'd mentioned, um, you know, wins that you start with the daily win or weekly win or whatever it is. Um, and not that you would ever necessarily start a meeting with like, what's your weekly failure. (laughs) But (laughs) I'm curious if throughout your career within or outside of Wetzel's, you have kind of like a quote unquote favorite failure, something that, um, helped you really learn from that experience and, and laid some type of foundation for you. Yeah. That's such a good question. And I also feel like there's a lot of um, pressure in American society 
to tell your failure tied with your win. Like I failed here, but then I launched that multi-million dollar company out of it. Totally. And I You're like, was that I'm a no, failure? Was it? Yeah, was it yeah. <laughs> and I'm no different. Like I was thinking through this failures and I was like, well, what's the one that's going to show my win later? So I can't tell you that I actually have a, a really like heartfelt answer. I must be an American through and through. <laughs> so I'll tell you a couple things. First, I think I would like to have a bigger failure to, to reference because I think not having that is evidence that I probably haven't stretched far enough that I've always, I've pushed myself, but always in safe, pretty safe mm -hmm. places. Mm -hmm. um, and so it makes me wonder if maybe I should be pushing a little bit more. When I was a, an intern at General Mills, I was working on Pillsbury Crescent Rolls. Classic. This was like in 2003. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic. And uh, we were doing new product innovation. And I was very excited about the concept I had for rosemary. I think it was like rosemary crescent rolls, which at the time, like rosemary focaccia was everything on all the menus. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. And it's going to be awesome. And so then we put it in, and I was very supportive of the idea. It was my idea. And we put it in test along with some other flavors in the panel. And, and the winner was not rosemary, um, but was butterflake crescent roll, which cracked me up because I was like, how can you make a crescent roll buddy any more buttery? Like, isn't it in its identity it, that it's just butter? Like you really want the butterflake version of that? Um, but the, that one does stick with me, like in a very practical and tactical sense when I think about innovation in the restaurant space in that for many of our guests at Wetzel's, like they're looking, when they're looking for new or they're looking for innovation, what they're really looking for is something familiar with a twist. Um, and so I think about that as well when we're doing innovation, like not to overreach, but think about how you give something to people that's a a twist on the familiar. So it feels fresh and new, but not so incredibly novel. And that's usually the sweet spot for, for mm -hmm. innovation. I think it's that notion of being one step away, you know, there's right. Uh, yeah. I think mm -hmm. we, we often find that good innovation is all right. If there's five elements to this innovation, four of these are things that we've done before. And there's one jigsaw piece that is new, but it still kind of fits with the others. Is it, is it like that? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, it's a great story and also resonates that element of what is a failure because to a certain extent, any failure that you learn from, you can frame it as a win, right? right? And so is there even such thing as a failure? <laughs> because no matter what you've you've learned and you've grown. And so I think that it's a little bit of a catch-22 of a question in itself because if someone is to say like, this was my biggest failure and I learned nothing. It's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> not. <laughs> I don't know, you guys. I I think failure is is something which really sucks at the time, and then like after a couple of years, it's like that was really interesting. Yeah, it's like type two fun. There, I like this one. <laughs> the difference between tragedy and comedy is time. The thing that's so painful at the moment, give it some time, might later be a funny story. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Maybe the difference between failure and growth is time. Totally. It might be fun retrospectively or interesting retrospectively, but in the moment, uh, yikes. <laughs> and that was our interview with Jen Schuler, CEO of Wetzel's.
or I should say that was the end of part one of our interview with Jen Schuler, CEO of Wetzel's. We kept talking, got deeper into the topics of resilience in the face of headwinds, and we ended up recording enough for a complete second episode. So if you enjoyed that as much as we did, stay tuned for it to drop in the next couple of weeks. Thanks for tuning in to Heroes and Headwinds, a podcast brought to you by the team at the Culinary Edge, produced by Evan Sorenstein and Mackenzie Phelan. Watch your feed for the new episodes to discover which industry leader we're chatting up next.